0: Hey everybody, you are listening to Canary Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Guns. Welcome to episode number 130. 130, Greg Outlaw's a hero. Whoa. That's right. You This uh, week we're going to be talking to Greg Outlaw, he is the proprietor of a website called FringePop321.com. Many of you may have heard of it. It is uh, it is and is becoming, as we all are, uh, <laughs> an awesome hub for all sorts of the information that you hear here on Canary Cry Radio.
1: Yeah, and if you visit FringePop321.com, you may find that it's not much. There, it seems like there's not a lot going on, but there's a method to the madness, and you'll hear about it in this episode. Uh, we'll also talk about Greg's story, his walk, his uh, brushes with death, and how he got involved in technology and the internet in the 1990s through the dot-com bubble, and yes, his current he... ministry fighting the wiles of the internet, like Google and all those algos.
0: Yes, very good. Uh, he has been, <laughs> he has been a brave warrior in the war for the internet since long past, and so uh, we talk a little bit about that. And He's a pioneer. What, yes, exactly. But before we get into that, I want to remind everybody, give everybody a little bit of, a little update here. Last week, last episode, we released the Canary Cry Radio Patreon. That's right. And many of you listened to our special little message, and many of you chose... To just skip that one. And if you, (laughs) if you haven't uh, listened to our special announcement yet, it should be there on the feed a couple of posts ago. Why don't you go ahead and take a little listen to that? In that we explained that, you know, throughout the years of Canary Cry Radio, uh, financial support has been adequate and exciting and heartwarming and beautiful that people out there uh, are touched and affected by this ministry and have chosen to financially support it. That being said, actually financial support has never risen even up to 1% of listeners and uh, we have started a Patreon account, patreon.com slash ccnt and we are just putting it out well, there Oh no, that's, that's for news oh, talk Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, patreon.com slash canarycryradio and there we have made several levels of awesome rewards available. That's right we got the merch, we got the digital downloads, we got bonus episodes called Canary Cry Conversations and guns. we already have an. Episode of Canary Cry Conversations available, and there will be another one posting uh, very soon, if not already available. It's gonna be biblical. Head over to Patreon.com/slash Canary Cry Radio if you want to support this ministry. And we're just—we're uh, uh, not shooting for a dollar amount. What we're sort of keeping an eye on is if we can even get the supporter-to-listener ratio, even up to 1%, would be great. But we, we're we just going to see where the Lord takes it. So if you have been edified or touched or educated or just entertained by this show and would like to see it continue, head over to patreon.com slash canarycryradio. Let uh, me jump
1: in, too. Also, mm-hmm. uh, we are planning to do an episode on a four-letter thing uh, which is confused some people. Uh, when we reach 100 patrons, and it doesn't matter what dollar amount, it could be $1 a month, we've hit 25. We're a quarter of the way there, Basil. It's not too bad. That's or right. Maybe we should give away one of the letters, since we're a quarter of the way there.
0: <laughs> okay. is, that, is
1: that a good plan?
0: Yes, I will give the letter. The letter okay. is A. A is the letter, and we're not going to has... tell you which... It's in there somewhere. The letter A has something to do with this very special episode, a topical uh, duo episode that Gonza and I are planning. And it is our first goal if we can get 100 patrons to sign up for even $1. Yes. um, Especially
1: when your daughter comes up to you while you're recording this asking for money. This is how it works, folks.
0: (laughs) Supporting. I got to keep that sweet, the family. that sweet, sweet wet food in the cat bowl people. <laughs> uh, right. No, but th- thank you for everybody who has gone to k- patreoncom slash canary cry radio and enjoyed one of or multiple of the, the many rewards we have available there. Okay. Enough about that. I think that's actually all the important stuff. Make sure to head over to Facebook and search Canary Cry Community. We have over 1,100 people in that group now, which is just astounding. And all sorts of amazing conversations, really deep, meaningful conversations, as well as fun memes uh, that you can impress all your Facebook friends with. So head over to Facebook.com slash Canary Cry Community and also... In case you've missed it, Canary Cry News Talk is still going, and we are getting into it. So if you have yet to subscribe to Canary Cry News Talk, y'all need to head over there now. I get it. Subscribing to new podcasts seems like a big commitment, but if you like Canary Cry Radio, you're going to love Canary Cry News Talk. comes out every single week, um, so you can get your weekly update. Okay, I think that's about it, Gons. What do you think?
1: I think that is all. Uh this is plenty of info for people to sit
0: on. Yes. <laughs> sit on that. Okay. And while you're sitting there, strap in, because here we go. This is our episode with Greg Outlaw. It's gotta be biblical. From fringepop321.com.
2: The world is receiving a censored internet on the basis of Christian Catholic ideals. But at what cost? Be careful, you have been born in a world that is very hostile, sad, and full of misery and suffering. You live in a world where a network of greedy people and institutions are secretly ruling and exploiting the rest of us. You will be enslaved and mistreated in every possible way. The earth has become a human farm, and a network of elites are exploiting all of us imagine the deepest darkest portion of the ocean miles and miles deep now take that and put it into the internet and that gives you the dark web it is the worldwide web content that exists on dark nets and overlay networks which use the internet but require specific software configurations or authorization to access the dark web forms a small part of the deep web which they are not the same thing A part of the web not indexed by search engines, although sometimes, the term deep web is mistakenly used to refer specifically to the dark web. Google is not the richest company in the world, or even the most profitable in its own sector. However, the search giant poses the biggest threat to the privacy, security, and sovereignty of individuals. Despite the origin of its algorithm with public funds, Google has grown to immense size and strength as a private company that will continue to act in its own interests. Research now shows that Google's information collection is only rivaled by the NSA. Its growing influence and partnership with the Washington establishment should also worry users who may wonder whether their information is being routinely passed to government entities. Google is everywhere, it's powering your phone, Android, directing your travels, Google Maps, and of course, it's dominating the internet. The notion that Google is simply a benign company that hopes to change the world for the better must be seen as a naive notion.
1: This is Canary Cry Radio.
0: Hey everybody! Welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil,
1: and this is guns Welcome to episode number one hundred and thirty.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep I have nothing clever for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we need to. We need to do a better job with those. The fringe, as an adjective, is defined as not part of the mainstream, unconventional, peripheral, or extreme. And here extreme. on Canary Cry Radio, that's what we do. We explore the fringes. And to do that, we have our good friend, Greg Outlaw, here with us. Greg, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing great, guns. How are you guys? Doing pretty
0: good. Doing so good. I'm just so awake, so hyped up, (laughs) feeling so good. And Greg Outlaw, that's probably one of the coolest names that I've ever heard, so I'm very excited to, uh, at the amount of times I get to say Greg Outlaw on this episode. (laughs)
2: Keep plugging, man. It
0: works. (laughs) So, Greg Outlaw, those who may not know what you've been up to, you are the uh, proprietor of FringePop321.com, a website and a YouTube channel that have recently been released uh, that is going to shake the very foundations of this little genre that we uh, so merrily participate in. And we're going to want to hear more about that Uh, But, Greg, for those who may not know you, why don't you uh, let us know what you're all about?
2: Well, I'm all about God. Yeah. That's the main thing. At least I am now. I can't say that always. I spent most of my life being an outlaw, but now I'm an outlaw for God. So, the rest of the church may not like all the things that I talk about or you guys talk about, but um, we know what we're talking about, (laughs) So, Greg Outlaw is, is now a born-again believer. He's on fire for the Lord, at least I hope to be. Uh, today I am. Who knows what it'll be tomorrow, but that's where I am today. Um, my career has consisted of basically doing SEO uh, since 1995. Search engine wow. optimization. Yeah, a long time.
0: That's old um, school. I didn't even know SEO existed back then
2: it didn't actually um, it wasn't even coined as a as a, as a term until uh, 1997 that's when it became known as search engine optimization at the time we just thought it was a good idea that we could rank in some of these search engines this was before google uh, so they were they were the old school search engines like you never hear about anymore or most people don't know about like excite and things like that ask and- jeeves Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dude, man, you're, you're getting long in the tooth. I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of those things out there like Ink Tommy, and who knows? I mean, people put a lot of money in and lost a lot of money unless they got out quick.
0: Right, right.
2: But when the dot, dot com bubble burst and started in 99 and then finished in 2001, um, that's when I decided to change my life and rededicate it to Christ. And and God gave me a vision for what became all about God. And I finally figured out SEO was given to me as a talent, not for making money, but for hopefully introducing people to Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been doing since 2002.
1: And if anybody has ever done any Google searches on just like random stuff about God or the Bible or Jesus, there's a high likelihood that you've Come across allaboutgod.com. Um, I know I did. Uh, just back in the days when I used to debate people um, online, I would look for you know certain things or certain topics, and um, I remember running into all about God as a pretty good resource of tons of topics and materials. So, yeah, you know, you've done a great service already for the body of Christ in this internet age, Greg.
2: Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. That's what we were we're trying to do. We have kind of two goals. One is we want to seek and save the lost, and the other is seek and serve the body. So if Amen. if if you're finding that if you're finding us, that's exactly what we want to do. We've got 52 websites, so it's not just allaboutgod.com, but searching things like what is sin. We come up near the top or at the top of Google for what is sin on allaboutgod.com. There's other searches like why me God. Our site called All About Life comes up, or Why Am I Here? We come up number one under All About Philosophy.org. So there's a whole bunch of different terms. Darwin's Theory of Evolution, we have a specific site that we come up for, Just it's called Darwin's Theory of with hyphens in between it. That's an old, old one that we did early in 2002. If you search for New Age, All About Spirituality comes up. How to Become a Christian, All About God comes up. Origin of Islam, all about comes up and then maybe one like who is Jesus, we come up number one on Google for that, or who was Jesus? That's all about Jesus Christ org. Wow. So a lot of different sites.
0: You know, what I love is, you know, we do a lot of talking about technology on this show and Canary Cry News Talk. We're always talking about how technology is going to be used for, you know, any number of nefarious purposes. But we always try to put in there like, hey, but technology isn't in itself evil. Obviously, you're listening to our show over the internet. There's it can be used for good. We can uh, kind of uh, Aikido You know, maybe the plans of the devil for technology into uh, you know using it uh, to glorify God, and I mean that's exactly what you're doing. That's but you've done it in such a masterful way and for such a long time. You know, that's a it's a great testament as to the power of uh, using this technology, this crazy thing we call the internet that has so much darkness on it and so much weird stuff. But, uh, you know, kind of using the system to glorify Jesus. And to certainly, I mean, it sounds like you've uh, really done a, a great job casting a wide net over this thing we call the Internet.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's obviously not just me. There's plenty of people, plenty of volunteers and stuff that write articles that answer questions for people. We have about, let's see, about 20,000 uh, pages of content huh. spanning f- fourteen languages and across fifty-two websites currently. Well, I guess fifty-three with fringepop three two one dot com. So that's the that's the latest one.
0: Holy smokes! I had no idea. That's those are that's some real numbers, my man.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of late nights. You would know all about that, right? There. <laughs>
0: That's very good. So I'm curious. Okay, so you mentioned, uh, you know, you you have a, a an interesting past, and with the dot com bubble, which is a very interesting uh, time in history to be involved in technology and and uh, the things that were going on then, uh, and that leading you into a life. Either back with Christ or with Christ the first time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? I mean, what brought you to this point for being such a a, a heavyweight in the world of uh, you know spreading the gospel on the internet?
2: Sure. Well, I'm not going to share everything; it, it would take too long. But but anyone interested in my complete testimony can go to uh, Vimeo.com/slash aag seven, like the number seven. That's All About God 7, A-A-G-7, seven, vimeo.com slash A-A-G-7. We'll throw that in and, the
0: show notes.
2: Yeah, that's, that's all up there for free. But, but the, the main gist was is that um, I got saved when I was 12. Um, my father was uh, head of the deacons at a small little Southern Baptist church in Greenville, South Carolina. And, and uh, he ended up cheating on my mother with the secretary of his company, and what came out of that was church discipline of course he was removed from leadership and being in a in the the kind of the belt buckle of the bible belt in south carolina uh, there was a lot of judgment of course and a lot of other things in a small little southern baptist church and and uh, i know i was saved when i was 12 because there was change in my life and i started teaching vacation bible study uh, i don't even know if they have that anymore at 12 at twelve, you're supposed to be. You're supposed, supposed to, be in to be attending. VBS. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're not supposed to be <laughs> teaching at VBS.
2: Yeah, well, it was it was it was right before I turned thirteen, so I'd been saved six months. Wow. And, and uh, but but it was it was basically just a six year old. So it's like flannel graph. It's not really hard. This is Jesus. Here's the Noah's Ark. Right. <laughs> right. It was more like that. But there was true change in my life, and then when my dad did that when I was 14, I just didn't want anything else to do with the church because of all the, what I felt like I was being judged. My family was being judged, and I left the church, um, and since my father had already left the house, it wasn't like my mother could control me very well. There's only so many beatings you can do, and then she realizes it just not working. <laughs> right. And, uh. And I didn't go back into a church. I didn't step a foot into a church um, for 19 years. And being that long on the outside, it might as well have been like I wasn't saved. The only way I could tell the Holy Spirit was, was indwelling me was every time I would sober up, um, I would have this horrible depression and this conviction like I needed to, you know, ask for forgiveness and, and go back to church and obey what the the Holy Spirit was telling me. And so I just stayed really drunk or inebriated, intoxicated in some way, shape, form, or fashion, whether it was drugs, illegal drugs, or alcohol that entire 19 year period. And most people go, wow, that's just like outlandish. How can anybody do that? And, uh, uh, the way the way you basically do it is when you step foot out of the church and you make a whole new set of friends that don't know God, and um, they know you when you're always on drugs or something, and they just think that's who Greg is. He's just a happy-go-lucky guy. <laughs> he wants to run around looking at girls, smoking dope, and make a lot of money and retire you know, at 25. That's what he wants to do. And, uh, of course, that's what I pursued. I did make a lot of money. I've had several companies my wife my wife now candy and I started several companies together and we made a lot of money uh, multiple times um, well over millions of dollars uh, lost that money uh, because we were both into serious drugs and alcohol Wow and and um, the one of the the ones we started toward um, right when the internet was starting kicking off in 93 I've been online since 1980. So a long time uh, I've been online through the, through the ARPANET. At first, it wasn't actually really the internet.
1: Ooh, even before the DARPA.
2: Yes, before before they added you know that little defense.
1: Defense, yeah.
2: <laughs> Which basically means war. <laughs> <laughs> right. Warpa, it's warpa, yeah. So been on a long time, but when the internet took off and and uh, I left South Carolina, following my wife to be back to her home state of California and we moved there and I can't remember the exact day, but whatever the day was that, you know, OJ Simpson did his white Bronco run. I don't know if you guys remember that.
1: Oh, I remember that. I remember I was trying to watch uh, I think it was like the NBA playoffs or something on TV. The whole time they had it in the bottom right screen, the little white van, the slow (laughs)
2: moving, the slow moving white
1: van. Yeah.
2: Yeah, when he did his little bolt that's when we that's when we drove in to Orange County and and wow and, uh, we moved into Dana Point and uh, lived there so I don't know if it was 93 or 94 it was somewhere around in there uh, and then we started an internet company because that's the, that's why you go to California at least that's what I thought it was a good reason uh, we started an internet company called businessfinance.com and the idea was to create a A search engine that would connect people that had money, like venture capitalists, equipment lessors, uh, small business uh, banks, and things like that. People that had money with people that needed money and had a great idea. And it was free to all the people that had great ideas. So we kind of accelerated, really, what ended up becoming the the dot-com fallout. We kind of accelerated that bubble by putting together this service and it launched in in 1995 so we were like one of the first 10,000 websites on the internet and you know now it's like i don't know it's something like 70 or 80,000 new websites go up every day and that's not including people just adding facebook pages or or okay. some social media thing so it was really early and there wasn't a lot of people and that's when i started doing what would become known as seo um, at the same time, I'm living a double lifestyle, a dual lifestyle, exactly like my father did. So it talks about, you know, in the Bible about the sins of the father, they're visited upon the sons. Um, that was very much true in my case and in my brother's case, we both lived kind of a uh, double lifestyle. So I had a business lifestyle that everybody thought everything was fine, but I was always on drugs and, uh. And I would go to bed drunk, I'd wake up drunk, I'd smoke pot, I'd I'd be popping pills during the day, doing cocaine, Vicodin, all kind of things uh, like that. Party and, animal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> way too out of control, way too out of control. And um, I got involved with, of course, a whole lot of hallucinogenic drugs. I actually hooked up with Timothy Leary on the web in 1995. I was communicating with him. I, I, I actually, this is going to freak you guys out. So you've read Brave New World, right? You know about the island? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this guy named Bruce Eisner, uh, who wrote the book called Ecstasy, an M, or MDA, Ecstasy, the MDA story, um, actually started this, this uh, nonprofit organization called Island, and it's at island.org. He's dead now, so you can't go there anymore, but if you go to archive.org, you can find it. And uh, I actually was one of the charter members that, char- charter members that funded that and helped start it with him. So I was not only big time into the drugs themselves, but big time into that cultural change really? and shift.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah, I'm a freak show man. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so fascinating because yeah. at the time, I mean, that was a huge sort of counterculture movement. And one that is uh, pretty consistently referenced today, especially in our uh, circles, as one that was uh, certainly being used by some sort of agenda. Uh, what was it like being mixed up in that?
2: Uh, well, honestly, I was just in it for fun, so I didn't really have an agenda. It was just like, if, if you get to party and you can hang out with guys that you have know, been partying since the 60s and know what good drugs to do and where to get them, <laughs> what an advantage to me! So mine was a little more hedonistic. You're than, so than pragmatic. Before.
1: Yeah, really. It, it is interesting, though. It's it's kind of like a. It is commentary on when you're just a part of the world. It's almost like you don't even realize, you know, what what you're supporting or what you're, you know, what kind of ideologies you're holding and things like that. It's just crazy. Uh, wasn't Timothy Leary the one that also talked about how? Uh, virtual reality is sort of the the LSD of the modern era. I think he said '90s, but um,
2: oh yeah, he was he was big time into Marshall McLuhan. He would talk about the medium is the message, you know, and and uh, all of that. And he had this great video that I thought was great. Then all this psychedelic stuff shooting out at you on the screen for, in 1995, and and it was basically just it, it's it was absolute trauma based mind control. The stuff that he was doing absolutely without a doubt shocking stuff but uh it definitely brainwashes you into that culture and i really felt like you know that's the truth that's the way this this god thing yeah that's great i believe in god i believe in jesus but you can all be one and that's what we need to be we need to be one you know that monism kind of kind of belief system right yeah yeah
1: which yeah. speaks right into the global brain and all that stuff
2: it- it does, so it's. Safe. I feel like kind of like Saul and Paul, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> One minute I'm like I'm doing the very things now that I'm fighting against <laughs> I was doing back then, so kind of a bizarre thing. What ended up happening, what changed all of this and brought me back to the Lord, uh, really was. Um, in 1999, well, I, I started, because I drank so much and partied so much, I eventually developed uh, what's called uh, pancreatitis. And before, it was just acute pancreatitis. And what that means is basically a pancreatic attack is is you go out partying the night before, and, you, and you're binge drinking, and then you wake up in the morning And uh, you eat a bunch of food, especially um, fattening foods, which we did. I mean, in South Carolina, dude, we fried everything, including ice cream. So it was all fried, (laughs) fattening foods. (laughs) And you'd have an attack. And what happens is your pancreas swells up so much that it actually closes the tubes that allow the enzymes that digest your food to go out into the food and, and digest it properly. And they're activated on the inside of your pancreas. So you're being eaten from the inside out by your own enzymes, your pancreas. Extremely painful. You go in the hospital for like three weeks. They put you on tons of drugs, which at that point, you know, in my addiction, I just thought, well, this is kind of break even. At least I'm getting three weeks (laughs) worth of, you know, great morphine and Dilaudid and all these great drugs. But um, I kept doing that regardless of 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 really what it how it impacted my family or or my wife and, and uh, Kenny did become my wife in ninety six I lived in Simlafer for quite a while before that, but in ninety six we did uh, marry, and and as we get, as it got further and further toward the bubble, um, my attacks started to to escalate in frequency and intensity, and they eventually developed into what's called chronic pancreatitis. And that means that after a while, it doesn't matter what you do. If you quit drinking or not, or you quit eating poor foods, uh, really fattening foods, you're still going to have attack after attack. And so in 99, um, I actually ended up uh, in the hospital for like, I don't know, 30th time or something like that in a period of 10 years. And uh, they basically told me there was nothing they could do for me. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Nothing you can do. And they go, well really, you're terminal. There, there's nothing we can do. And at that time, they only had really experimental surgeries for removing your pancreas. They didn't have any successes, except I think one. And so my choice was either to live with it or to try this thing that had such a small, slim chance of working that uh, I just decided, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But I couldn't really see or even rationally think about it because I was so angry when I heard that there was nothing they could do for me, and that that at the most I had three years, at the very extreme five years left to live, and that the the last few years would be so miserable that I wouldn't even actually be able to function on being a hospice.
0: Oh my gosh!
2: Yeah, very shocking kind of things, and you know that was exactly what it took. That and the the the, the big blip in the stock market because we were filling out what's called our S one. Uh, which is an application to go public. We were getting ready to go public. Uh, at the same time, all this was happening in our company. And, um, and so I fell on my knees. This is December 7th, 1999. So Pearl Harbor Day, I fell down on my knees and I cried out to God. And I just said, God, please forgive me. Whatever time I have left on this earth, I want to live it for you. I want to give it to you, whatever that is. And he didn't heal me uh, or anything like that, but I really repented. I truly repented. Um, I called my uh, my brother in law. He took me to Saddleback Church in uh, in Orange County. Oh yeah, Lake Forest, and uh, Rick Warren's church, and to a place called Celebrate Recovery, which is really a twelve step uh, study, really uh, Christ centered study, and and that's where I rededicated my life, not only. Privately, but but to all these other men that were struggling with different problems, whether it's anger, abuse, alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual addiction, whatever uh, the different things were, and I started confessing my sins to these men that I had no idea who they were. I didn't know. And you're only supposed to take like maybe five minutes to actually share. Well, I started confessing sins and I couldn't stop. I mean, literally, I was just. <laughs> Tears just flowing down my face. (laughs) Seriously. And I could not stop. And the the leader, the facilitator, just let me go on. And I must have shared, I don't know, 30 minutes or an hour. You know, 19 years worth of sin. There's a lot of sin in there. (laughs) But when I was done with that, I felt like I was so clean, so brand new, and I could feel the presence of God inside me like never before. I mean, just like powerful. I could feel His presence. But I'm still dying. And, and um, so, I start reading God's Word. In this period from 1999 to 2001, April 2001, the Lord healed me of this terminal illness. So, I'll, I'll get to there. Um, but during this time, every day, I'm reading God's word and I'm praying, I'm crying out to him. I'm, I'm asking for forgiveness of all these things. Whenever any kind of sin that I do comes up, I'm I'm instantly confessing it. I mean, I'm just wholeheartedly pushing into the Lord because what happened to me was, was really, you know, it was extraordinary. One minute, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to be a multimillionaire, you know, and possibly a billionaire by going public. And it was me and my wife that had a majority, uh, ownership of the company. And there was only one other person in the company that had stock, even though we did have employees, they didn't have stock. And um, it was going to be a lot of money. We turned down several offers. Um, the first one was like, I can't remember if it was five or 10 million. And then we had one for 15 million. The last offer we turned down before we decided to fill out the S1 and, and try to go public was 25 million. Oh my and we all the, yeah. And we walked away from all of that money. Uh, basically, and, and threw it away because it ended up with nothing when, when, of course, the bubble broke. But at that period of time, my life consisted of this when, I, when I'm, I'm seeking God again. It basically, I'd wake up from a drug-induced sleep. Oh, I couldn't eat for a year and a half. So I'm in a hospice. I'm in a hospice in my house. The nurse comes and visits me. She trains my wife, Candy, how to hook up what's called total parenteral nutrition that is actually putting it into my neck and feeding me through the neck, so you, you bypass the the pancreas, so you don't activate the enzymes and cause problems. Oh my god! So I basically, yeah, I fasted for a year and a half. Really, that's what it <laughs> That's pretty to impressive. That is crazy. That's a serious fast right there. <laughs> <laughs> and and so my day would consist of you know going to bed. Full of drugs, waking up, drug-induced sleep, really hard to get up. I would grab a, a tablet of morphine. I would I would take it. I would have liquid morphine. I would drop it on my tongue, um, and I would just sit there and wait for that to kick in, so that I could actually physically get out of bed. My wife disconnected me from the tube that fed me all night long, and I would go out in onto my deck and just read God's word for eight hours a day and pray, um, and just seek Him because I wanted Him. You know, when you have that, that moment in your life where, where you, really, you really realize that all the money in the world cannot save you, it can't change you, it can't change your terminal condition, that all this pursuit of power and wealth is basically meaningless, and then the pendulum swings to the other side, and you realize not only that Christ died for me, but that He actually gave me a second chance on earth to make a difference, I mean, really, there's like there's just nothing I wouldn't do for Jesus. I mean, that's what it came down to. It's it's earth shattering, paradigm shifting event in my life like never before.
0: Wow. I Amen. mean that's a, that's a an experience that not a lot of people get to have. I mean, it's unfortunate that a lot of times these sorts of changes come hand in hand with, uh, you know, a, a tragedy of one kind or another. But uh, you know, a lot of times, depending on who you are, that's what it takes to get your attention,
2: huh? It certainly was what it took to get mine. <laughs> I don't recommend going down that route, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we can
0: learn and learn from our yeah, forefathers you've, you've cleared here. Cleared the path for us.
2: Yeah, don't don't do it my way. <laughs> do it Yahweh. <laughs> Yahweh. That's the... Very good. So um, yeah. So what what ended up happening though the for the longest time, I didn't understand why God wasn't healing me because I did believe He healed. I, I really did, and yet for a year and a half, He didn't. And and it was He was sanctifying my life, at least you know the large major sins. So I was trapped in pornography, and I got free of that. I used to watch football like all the time. I mean, ah, all the deadliest football. sin. Oh well, well <laughs> it <big> <laughs> if, if you're if you're doing it to the exclusion of your of your wife, right? Then, sure. then yeah it can be it, it can be definitely and you know the cheerleaders that didn't help either with the pornography addiction and everything uh, else. sure yeah um, so as he cleaned up all of those things and dealt with all those things one of the the last major things in my life was still I was holding on to businessfinance.com that company and even though I wasn't there running it anymore and someone else was um, I was still waiting for the bailout and I felt like the Lord told me, this is the day before he heals me that I need to walk away from that company. And he told me basically that it was blood money and that I couldn't take a cent from it. And I had to make a decision and go, okay, I've invested six years. So it's 2001 now. I've been started in 1995. I've invested six years with the work, and I get nothing out of it. And all I have is basically $400,000 in debt from launching it. And, and um, you know the venture capital we used, we, we, we used all of that, too. Um, but that was just our personal debt from launching it because we were, we were funding a lot of it, uh, personally. And, um, when, when I made that decision to walk away and I had no idea how I could take care of my wife, I didn't have insurance, I didn't have anything and I'm dying. Um, it was like, it was just, okay, I'm going to trust you, God, I'm going to cast it all upon you. And you will either sustain me, or I will fall flat on my face. And most of the people around me, including my wife, thought I was an absolute idiot. You go, what are you doing? You know, you're throwing away everything we've worked for. At least we could get something out of it. And when I did that, I woke up the next day and I didn't have any pain for the first time in three years. No No pain. No way. Gone. Wow. I didn't believe immediately that I was healed. I'd love to say I did and have a great, you know, story, but I didn't. It took it took quite a while. It took like about two weeks before I truly believed that Jesus Christ healed me. I would I would basically, like I said, wake up, take the same medication because one, I'm addicted to it at that point in time. Taking 300 milligrams of morphine a day, uh, plus the stuff I would drop on my tongue, I was just addicted to it totally, and so I took it anyway. But I didn't have any pain. And and as that kept, I kept waking up with no pain. I was just like, you know, finally I got to the bliss. Jesus Christ healed me. He did something. And this pain management physician, that all he does is prescribe medications for people that are terminally ill. So you get as much as you want, really. That's kind of where it goes. Um, They just want to keep you, you know, comfortable until you're dead. Uh, he basically calls me, um, he's in Fountain Valley. I'm, I'm of course in Orange County. He calls me and he goes, you need to come see me right away. You haven't fulfilled your medication. I'm concerned about you. And, uh, I said, well, I'm fine, doc. I quit taking your meds. And he goes, you need to come see me now. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'll be there. Um, let me, uh, I'll be there in an hour. And so I, I hung up the phone with him. I drove up Fountain Valley to see him. I'm sitting in the waiting room. He actually comes out in the waiting room. You know, he never does this. <laughs> his he's biggest
0: like, client is, he's going to lose his biggest client here.
2: Yeah, I think he was concerned he's going to get sued or something. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> gone off a deep end. And he leads me into the office, of course, and, and, and then he starts talking to me. He goes, you really look good. I thought you would be sweating and withdrawals, you know, really bad pain, withdrawals and stuff like that. He goes, but you literally look good, Greg. You know, your complexion's good and everything else. So tell me what's going on with you. And I said, "Well, Doc, this is this is going to sound kind of weird, but I I believe Jesus Christ healed me, and He looked at me like, you know, like a deer in the headlights, kind of like, <laughs> whoa, I need to back up. This this might be contagious. <laughs> Backing up in the room toward the door, like he's going to bolt, you know?
0: <laughs> wow, he's <laughs> right. Again, it is contagious. It is, yeah." <laughs>
2: And he and he goes he goes well. It's 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 not it's not it's not that. It's it's not a miracle. I didn't say it was a miracle. He said it's, it's not a miracle. It's it's something. It's some kind of mind over matter game that you're playing, you know, something like that. And and I just felt like the Holy Spirit well up inside of me, and I just spouted off and I said, "Look, duck, you know what you're doing, and look, I, you've been treating me for what a year and a half now, and you've been giving me nothing but tons of pain medication. I haven't been able to eat." I haven't been able to uh, focus or do any kind of work or anything else. I've had massive amounts of pain to where I I, uh, basically am immobilized and in my bed most of the day or most of the evening, and then in the day, I'm just sitting in a chair all day reading, and that's it. But how do you explain that I'm eating again, I don't have any pain anymore, and I quit taking your medications, and I'm not having any withdrawal symptoms? How do you explain that, doc? And he just looks at me like speechless. He has nothing to say. And then finally, it was like this long pregnant pause. And then he goes, I guess you're right. I guess it's a miracle. And I shared Jesus Christ mm. with him. I shared the gospel with him that day. He did not come to faith in Christ. In fact, as soon as I got done sharing, he was out of there and I didn't see him again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. But he got a good seed planted or watered that day. That's for sure. Um, yeah,
1: that's interesting that that kind of experience, you know, it's, it, it flies in the face of everything they've been taught. Yeah. And it's, it, it's interesting how it's, um, you know, the same way Christians are characterized as like, oh, they don't touch topics or, or any, anything that could come in conflict with the view or with the belief. But, uh, it's interesting how the tables were flipped in, in your, uh, experience there.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was bizarre. And then all of a sudden, right after that, God just started moving majorly in Saddleback Church. So there was like, I don't know, at that time, this was 2001 or two, no, 2001. Um, some people there from um, Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called Crew, that did the Jesus film, they were putting together a Jesus film DVD. And they wanted to have my testimony on it because they heard about it from some people at Saddleback. And so they actually went up to the same doctor with me to visit, and the doctor verified no, it's impossible. I don't believe he's healed. I don't know how he's having no pain, or how he's not taking medication, or how he's eating. I don't understand any of that. And he, he wanted to have that conversation too. So I love that he was I mean,
0: willing to go on record. Yeah, at least that guy's got conviction in his beliefs. There, unfortunately, yeah, he, uh,
2: he absolutely believed. He wouldn't wouldn't say it was a miracle. He said, "No, it's just not possible." He couldn't.
0: <laughs> he needs to keep his job. Sticking right. to his guns there.
2: And so that little due diligence meeting that I had to take up the, the campus crusade representative to that thing, I said, "I'm sorry, he's not willing to say you know anything more." Because well, I didn't really expect him to say anything more, but I heard plenty. I heard enough. You're on the DVD, and so I'm on the I'm now on the Jesus film DVD, or whenever they released that, I don't know, 2002, I think. And then and then I also was asked to give my testimony at Saddleback during six services, um, and I did. I gave my testimony, just really short and brief, and that's what brought over a ton of volunteers that actually launched All About God, was being able to share my testimony uh, to 16,000 people over six services. And uh, that's when we started it, in 2002.
0: Wow. It's, It's just incredible how God uses the worst situations imaginable to bring about just such powerful influences for Him on this earth. So, that's uh, that's fantastic. And, you know, a, a, hey, it's a great uh, great testimony, not just for, you know, the types of miracles that God can do, but the turnaround that can happen in your life when you uh, do start focusing on God. When you do make it all about God, you know, the, some of the darkest situations can be turned around. That's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, it is. It's been a... So how them.
0: did... Oh, sorry to interrupt there. Go ahead. Well, how did you make the switch from the All About God, which again, I cannot say it enough, a very powerful uh, structure here on the internet for people to learn about God and, and, and correct things about uh, spirituality and, and, and what lies ahead for us in this life and the next? Uh, how did you go from that to uh, coming out on the fringes a little bit? Joining us out here in the deep end of the pool.
2: Well, because of my background and all the drugs and stuff, I was always into, you know, aliens and all kind of strange, weird stuff. But when I did (laughs) come back to faith in God, I shelved all that. So I I put it all down, and I felt like the Lord just wanted me to focus on, you know, learning just the Word, just simply the Word, and and so I did. But then in 2008— he started leading me to start investigating all this stuff. And for a while, I thought, you know, am I sinning here, Lord? Am I looking at all this stuff again and, and pulling up all this, you know, drug paraphernalia and, and this countercultural thought, this fringe area? Is this, is this bad? And for the longest time, I thought, maybe maybe it is bad. Maybe I'm just feeding my flesh. But then I, I got to a place to I didn't want to do it at all because I had this false conviction that was my flesh. And no, the Lord clearly spoke through many providential circumstances. Say, no, this is what I have for you next. Is I want you to focus on this area because there's a lot of people that are we're starting to talk about that. I mean, Mike Heiser, you know, Doctor Michael S. Heiser, has been talking about it since the early 2000s. You know, doing stuff with Guy Malone and others with alien resistance. Yeah. But um, and then Kent Hovind was talking about Nephilim and all that other stuff. Uh, And so I I was finding people, but I didn't find a lot of people that were specifically actually wanting to put the gospel on those pages and actually rank them in position. And I thought, well, maybe that's what the Lord wants. You know, I I don't know what he wants on all this. I don't know how he works in your life, guys, but he doesn't usually lay out a complete vision. It's more like, here's one step. When you obey that, I'll give you the next one.
0: (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah, 100%.
2: So, you know, there's no there's no way to take credit for anything like, oh, I figured all this out on my own. No. <laughs> it's just obeying each step as God as God opens that door, you walk through it. and um and so, when I started doing that, and then I, I said, no, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I got this this false conviction like you know, it's just going too deep. I got stuck in the rabbit hole, basically. It's yeah. easy to do, as you guys know. Once you find one truth, it's like it leads to this one, this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, and before you know it, man, you're like you're you're Alice in Wonderland. You were somewhere, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> but you exactly are no right. longer here. <laughs> you're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. Yeah, you know, it's gone. So, um, what ends up happening is that I injure my back somehow, some way, and this is in 2008. The same time, the Lord tells me to go off payroll at All About God, and it wasn't like. We had a large payroll. I was making three thousand dollars a month, um, you know, in two thousand seven, and so it wasn't like it was. That was all the money we had. We were able to live off of that because we moved from California to Colorado Springs, which is you know much more cost effective. Obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say three thousand dollars a month in uh, Orange County. I'm pretty sure that uh, officially qualifies you as homeless. Yes. <laughs>
1: What are you trying to say, Basil?
0: <laughs> I'm saying head to patreon.com. We need to get Gonza uh, living situation.
2: Yeah. So when we moved to Colorado Springs, we felt like the first thing we do, we were it was my partner Randall and I. Randall Niles was an attorney. We both met at Saddleback. We both came back to the lord or to the lord randall doesn't know if he was saved beforehand or not but he was out of the church for 20 years i was out for 19 years we were both prodigals and and when we came back we were on fire and so he was the attorney that would be great at summarizing all this information this great apologetic information that we were learning and devouring like crazy um, into one page executive summaries with some hook at the bottom that that got you closer to the next step that leads to the gospel. And, and that was the entire strategy. It was what we called a flow. It was a flow. No matter what you searched for, if you searched for Darwin's view of Evolution, you entered on that page, well, then it would just take you about 10 pages to get to the gospel. In other words, you'd have to go right. through evolution and then, you know, the DNA double helix and how that's intelligence and design. And then you go into the Bible. Is the Bible true? And you'd use archaeology prophecy, mathematics, and everything else to prove it anything but scripture. And then once you laid that foundation that the Bible is true or at least it's supernatural, then we would start introducing scripture of who is God and then who is Jesus and why Christianity and then the gospel. So that that's kind of called the flow. So there's a there's literally thousands of flows depending on where you enter. If you enter on if you do a search for who is Jesus you're really quick to get to the gospel, obviously, because <laughs> you're asking the right question. But a search for Darwin's Sea of Evolution, that takes a lot longer. So when we did this, we thought, you know, we can't possibly write enough content fast enough to do this, but God has really given us a gift of ranking all of these pages. We were just like ranking everywhere like crazy, across all these websites, getting about 4 million visitors a month coming in. Um, and 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 thousands making decisions for Christ. Uh, Now, yeah, it really incredible. And when we got here, we thought, you know, our part in the body is this. And there's tons of people out there with great content. And we tried to go. So we met with Focus on the Family, which is out in Colorado Springs. met with Compassion International, international students. I was flown to Florida to meet with the Campus Crusade guys. All of them, we offered to do free SEO for them. For absolutely nothing. And, and, you know, people just didn't get it. I guess we were we were a little too much on fire. I mean, we, we were kind of ridiculously on fire. You know, we didn't care about money. We didn't care about any of that stuff because we both already lived that life and found how empty it was. We just wanted to see more people come to faith in Christ. And so the, we were sitting in this huge—I don't know if you've ever been to Focus on the Family, but they have this, like, UN-sized boardroom. I mean, literally, they have microphones. You speak into microphones. They have a screen that's like 30 feet across, diagonal, 30 feet across. And you're presenting in there for something for free, with something that they're expecting, you know, to be charged for. And nobody took us up on it. Everybody turned us down. And I was like, yeah, I was like, gosh, what's going on? And I, and I, I understand it now. That's kind of a mission-critical element Element. SEO has become a mission-critical element for a lot of websites, and they don't want to trust that to a volunteer relationship where maybe they think that we might just abandon it or something. They want some monetary component. So when God told me to go off payroll, the next thing he told me after I obeyed that step was, I want you to start consulting to these large ministries uh, in SEO. And so what ends up happening is that all of these companies that I went to to give it to for free in the beginning, started paying me for the thing I was willing to do for free. So that was how I made my living. Yeah, it was bizarre. I guess. <laughs> it's just That was just bizarre. So Focus on the Family paid me $70,000 for two months' worth of work that they could have had for free. And I'm like, you guys know what stewardship is? You should look that up. And <laughs> go back uh, to school. <laughs> go back to school well that, that was a school of hard knocks so there was nothing to learn there <laughs> so anyway during that time i'm doing the consulting and so i have a lot of free time because basically all about god is running itself people are, the volunteers are writing content people are putting it up onto our yet you know, a proprietary uh search engine optimization content management system so an seo cms uh, that we used, and and all they had to do was follow those instructions, and it basically automated the SEO for All About God. And so, I basically would, would spend one day a week doing consulting. I would spend four days a week uh, doing All About God. Or and, and during that period of time, from 2008 to today, has been focused on studying fringe pop, fringe pop topics. So going really, really deep into the rabbit hole, finding the people. And of course, I came across first in 2009, David Flynn was like a big one. I don't know when you guys yeah. got into it, but he, he was a big one. He was talking about the Nephilim and all this other stuff. And that's when, of course, I found him and Guy Malone and I found you know Mike Heiser. And I was like, wow, of all the people that I've heard talk about all of this stuff, I like all of it. And I was just loving all of it. But Mike just seemed to have a really good grasp of it. And he would always reframe it in a way that made biblical sense to me better than the other stuff. I love the other stuff. It's just that I guess after a while, I got tired of the candy and I wanted to get back to some meat. And he kept trying to lead me to meat. And of course, discovering the divine counsel uh, and all the stuff that Mike talks about, that was like, that blew me away. Yeah. It's just like, I knew that. I knew it. I knew it. Actually, you know, it's not like it's it's impossible, but to hear someone of his caliber, you know, talk about something like that is like, yeah, it's absolutely real. We are in a battle, and all of these, these gods are over these nations, and that's why we have so much trouble in the world, same as in the past. And um, so I did start I, – I sought out Mike to form a partnership with him, and he, uh, I helped him start his um, nonprofit organization, McClott.org, And FringePop321 is a joint venture of really McClot.org, allaboutgod.com, and uh, the guy that's doing the videography work, uh, Rev21 Digital, which is Brian Cole, who used to serve at All About God uh, since 2003. So that's what we've been focusing on as of late and, and really, it is to to get the gospel out specifically. I mean, put it on every single page once the, the website starts ranking. So, if you were to visit Fringepop321.com today, you wouldn't see the gospel or links to the gospel on those pages. We don't put them on there until it starts ranking well. But once it does, then we'll put them on every page uh, the gospel.
0: That's interesting, and not to change the subject too much, but it's interesting that there's that aspect to the strategy of uh, boosting these pages in a way that uh, you know is, is obviously very effective you obviously know what you're doing uh, why is it do you think you have to add the gospel on after
1: yeah like a trojan horse kind of you have to you have to gain the credibility within the google algos first and then you know uh, and then connect it to the gospel because otherwise they won't rank it as well or is it
2: I'm hiring you as my spokesperson, Gans. You just said it perfectly. Perfect. He did. <laughs> he nailed it, man. Spot on. You nailed it. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> it's sp- because, because Google is so against conservative or conservative Christian content that is anything that's not talking specifically about that content, you know, in other words, it's fine. You can talk all all day long. If you're uh, maybe you've heard of gotquestions.org, I volunteer and I do their SEO for them. Uh, they rank in a lot of different places. So, gotquestions.org, because almost all of their questions are Bible focused and have Bible verses la- labeled in the articles they have no problem whatsoever ranking. But as soon as you break out and you want to talk about science, philosophy, you know any of these fringe topics, any kind of conservative topics, you want to talk about abortion or is homosexuality a sin or any of these other things, you're immediately being pigeonholed and you're being looked at. And, and part of the reason that I chose uh, Mike Heiser to do that is is really the only way to make this work now. If it, if it doesn't, if your footnotes that you put on these new pages, they, if they're not available in Google Scholar, a Google Scholar search, you can forget about ranking on fringe topics.
0: Really, it's simple Ooh. as that. This is so fascinating. We're going to have to pay you seventy thousand dollars <laughs> uh, every <laughs> just, two every two decades to help you know, us uh, figure this we're out. We're back
2: on the free mode now. We're back on the free mode now. So. Woo! I, got, I quit consulting. I still have my website, gregoutlaw.com up, and, and I still have it up to where I can consult. And I will consult for, you know, larger organizations. But really, my thrust today is, I felt like since the beginning, God has told us that we were to seek and serve the body, not just seek and save the lost. And so now we're trying to offer this technology platform, this SEO CMS, along with you know, templates, or if you're in WordPress, it would be called a theme um, for free. That basically we know, and we spent literally years building and perfecting to rank well uh, in Google specifically. And we're giving that away for free for anyone, anyone uh, willing to put the gospel on their pages. Simple as that. So that's amazing.
0: Well, that's great. That sounds great to me. And I'm assuming uh anybody out there listening can have it for free. You know, it's pretty it's not infrequent that we get somebody contacting us talking about some new project they want to start, which is fantastic. And uh but it's a it's a it's a tough business out there trying to start a new website, trying to get people to come by. And uh unfortunately, because it is so difficult, a lot of people lose hope, they lose the fire, they lose their uh, motivation, or or the resources even, to keep going with something that isn't catching. So, this seems like a great resource uh, to be able to actually, uh, you know, follow what God is calling someone to do, but do it in, in an effective manner.
2: Yeah, we hope so. I mean, that's really kind of the goal behind it is, is one, we want to make sure the gospel gets out there, but at the same time, we want to saturate Google with truth so that they get to a place that, hey, if we don't choose to rank you know, some of these sites, we're really not going to be able to have a conservative voice. And either two things are going to happen. Either Google will budge, like Facebook is starting to budge in some of those areas. Not most of them. I, I will give grant that. But they're starting to budge in some of those areas now that they've been caught, busted for a couple of times.
0: Interesting.
2: But but now that Google is is doing it, we really feel like Google's going to have two choices if, if we pursue this and other companies pursue it. And I don't think it's just I don't think it's just our one ministry. I mean, we're a very tiny ministry. We really are. There's basically nobody's on payroll here at all. So all of the money goes toward the work. We hire contractors um, basically to do the work. Uh, so they're we're paying only for deliverables. But well, we want to provide that service that, that we would normally pay for and have built for everyone for free because we want to saturate Google with the truth so that they are forced to make the decision at some point in time in the future. Either they start ranking some of this conservative content better that has the gospel on it, or it ends up that there's such a mass of Christian content on our, our network that we could actually launch or back into our own Christian search engine so that people could find it that way. So there's a couple of different thoughts and strategies behind it, but it's not just about delivering the gospel. We also have um, are working on creating a peer-to-peer discipleship app that would help people not only get saved, but then help them grow. And the whole point is not to grow them to the place that they're just like They become little Dr. Michael Heisers. That's not the point at all. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We want them basically out there getting the minimum that they need. Well, let's say a a brand new person gets saved, right? And we want to say, okay, here's the expanded version of the gospel. We want to make sure they really understand the gospel. They understand that that they have salvation. They're assured of it. It's grace through faith. Uh, We also want to make sure that they understand that they have a responsibility uh, they have a purpose in life that God designed them for, God created them for, and the whole goal of life is discover that purpose and then fulfill that purpose. We want to we plant that into them immediately after to say that, that you know God has a purpose for you. And then the last thing is just the minimal amount of how do you share what your life was before Christ and what it is now, and then how do you punctuate that, that sharing with the gospel? Simple as that. So the minimal level of discipleship that would allow them to go back into their sphere of influence, back into their friends that are all unsaved. They haven't gotten so trapped in a church somewhere that they don't have any unsaved friends anymore. How do they go right back into there, share what happened to them, you know, in their, that passionate, on-fire way and just punctuate it with the gospel? And, and then we also want to offer them, hey, if you put up a Facebook page, you know, if, if you want to create your own website or your own blog, we will give you our technology platform so that you can write that content, create videos, whatever you want to do, and help rank it in Google. So that's kind of the goal.
0: Yeah, that's I so mean, awesome. as far as the modern times goes, that's a, that's a very uh, noble cause and probably one of the most important uh, types of missions uh, moving into the future. I mean that that is the future.
2: Yeah, we. I, I think it is. Uh, I mean, as well, we can kind of tell, right? We all know it's getting darker, so that means our light should shine brighter in the darkness. Amen. And we really we need people being bold for Christ. I mean, you guys do that. You're out there doing it. Other people are out there doing it. But I want to be real intentional about it, about having the gospel available on every page so that if the Holy Spirit decides to open their eyes to see that truth, they have an opportunity in their own free will to respond and receive Christ or deny Christ and, and make sure that's available to them, uh, especially in this day and age. Because really, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it's easy to get people to make decisions for Christ, but I honestly, I don't know if they're saved. You know, so right now, we get about 100,000 visitors every single day to our 52 websites, and about 1,000 people indicate a decision for Christ. Now, like I said, I don't know if they're truly saved. I can't read their heart. Only God knows their heart. But I do know that if I see fruit at the back end of a discipleship app, and they're sharing their faith and they're engaging in peer-to-peer relationships and community like that, then I have a pretty good sense that, yes— they are truly saved. They're reproducing Christians now. And we really think that if, if we focus on that as opposed to just decisions for Christ, but actually the great commission of, of teaching them all things he commanded, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. If we focus on that, then people will actually do that. And I don't think it takes long for a bunch of brand new believers are on fire for Jesus. I mean, I know what it was like when I came back to him. I was on fire for him. And I was sharing my faith everywhere, uh, online, virtually everywhere else. But if we had enough people mass, you know, 30,000 people a month that were truly saved and they're out there sharing where the audience becomes an army for God, sharing the love of Jesus with these people, I think we're done. It's, It's Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will preach and then the end will come, right? And all the world and then the end will come.
1: Yeah, you know, I, man, I, I've been looking at that passage a lot recently as well. Um, seeing this technological revolution, the fourth industrial revolution and all the, you know, all the evil stuff that we point out, building the the technocracy and everything else. Um, but there is this element of getting technology or getting, uh, or at least with, um, you know, the new financial systems that are taking place, the fintech, uh, mm-hmm. this idea of banking the unbanked and and getting Uh, everybody in onto the one world digital currency, but that same window of people are the same folks that uh, are the unevangelized, And so this really seems to be an opportune time to ride the wave of technology being redistributed uh, around the world and make sure that the gospel is available. And if you create that peer to peer kind of network of Christians doing their thing, that, that is brilliant because uh, it kind of leads to my, my other question, which is, um, what do you picture as, you know, the internet uh, being for the end time Christian? Because, you know, as you said, uh, Google already doesn't like conservative views or certain Christian views uh, that, you know, tap in from a a scientific or a fringe source or whatever. How is that going to continue to lock down, do you think, in the future? And how are you creating your system, or not your system, but this, this this entire you know network, this peer-to-peer network, to, to battle that whole uh, encroaching internet lockdown?
2: Well, uh, let me back up a little bit and first talk about the acceleration of the people jumping on the internet, and, and then it'll lead me into that. So, if you look just at the stats, so if you go to stats and you look at from December 95 to December 2005, 10 years, that's when the first billion people got online on on the internet. And then the second billion got on in five and a half years after that. So 2011, it takes you up to <laughs> um, then the, the next billion got on in three and a half years. So that's three billion. And that takes you up to 2014. And now the rest of the people up to, to the end of 2017 Got on the 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 extra the next billion got on in three years, so it's still accelerating. People kind of forget that and they don't think about that. But but the impact of the smartphone of of Facebook. So you know what man intends for evil, God will use for good. Right? That's what he's doing. And with Facebook and Google, all these people that are running out to India and they're throwing up blimps and all kind of weird things so that they can satellites and everything so they can cover. Uh, all of these places that don't have access, that don't have the internet, with internet access, free internet access, specifically to their services, obviously. Um, we think that that God is going to continue to accelerate. And, and what what our stats show and what other people's stats show is that by 2025, so that's only, what, seven years away, a little less than seven years away, um by that time, 7 billion of what will be then almost nearly 8 billion people will be online with a smartphone and have access to the web. Ooh. So, we, we really feel like this is the time and that the device, at least for now, you know, I'm not saying that watches and who knows what other kind of wearables and stuff that come into play and hopefully not, you know, any people embedding, especially not Christians, embedding technology in their bodies and skulls and stuff and that's… <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a genuine need, like you know, it's a cochlear implant or something like that. Um, we think the smart, the smart device, the smartphone, is kind of that path, and we think that that um, blockchain technology, which is obviously used by cryptocurrencies and all kind of other stuff, and you guys talk about that all the time, especially Gons, um, is one road to that, um, but it's not the only road. So, in other words decentralized, if you know the history of the internet, really what we had in the very beginning from 93 to 95 was a decentralized internet and power structure. That's what we had originally. And the people that have been on as long as I have, us old geezers that have been on that long, when we see blockchain, we see a return to that. I mean, that's really what I see. That is decentralized. The only problem currently I see with blockchain is that it's not hardware infrastructure independent. But they're working on that. The folks at Blockstack and other places, they're working hard on that particular problem. And we really think, as much as I don't like the idea of 5G just being released without any kind of testing or anything else or what follows 6G or whatever it else else will be in the future, those technologies, 5G enables the ability of peer-to-peer communication without an internet whatsoever. Now, could that be blocked? Of course, it could. But we really think a smartphone, whether it ends up being having to be a private smartphone, you know, I heard you guys talk about Listener. Maybe that was on, maybe, oops. <laughs> was that on, was right. that on the extended report? No, I that's think. great. That's a that's great fine. pitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, we it talked is. about Listener on the extended report of uh, Canary oh. Cry News Talk.
2: Okay. So things like that, where they're actually putting hardware in there and it's subsonic and they're doing communication over that, Part of that is actually built into 5G and what the future of 5G is. Uh, so it's not just in, in just what Listener is doing, but the fact that they're doing it kind of tells you two things. One, you're going to have to create your own hardware. So we're going to need to create a smartphone ourselves that is not linked to any kind of hardware infrastructure by one of the you know five giants of the web, You know where it be Google, Apple, whoever. Um that's one thing. The other thing is, is, is just because you can do it this way, does it, does it mean that it's going to be non-detectable? In other words, as you enter into the tribulation, people start taking the mark. And, and I'll just, I'm going to confess it up front. I used to be a pre-trib rapture guy. I just don't see that as happening. I, I would love to be. I'm still willing to say yes. I'll go at any point in time, Lord. I just don't see it being a pre-trib event. I really see us going through at least some portion of that, if not all of it. And I think that unless we have something that is absolutely independent, hardware, software, and everything else, we're going to have trouble. So we're designing this peer-to-peer app to be that from the beginning. Now, we're taking baby steps. Like I said, we're not jumping immediately to blockchain until they have the hardware infrastructure problem solved, and they're working on that. Yeah. But we are doing the stuff of what we call short chain. So it's using the principles of a blockchain but we're kind of making it our, our own. So we're, it's, it's being customized. And I have a great CTO, uh, Chief Technical Officer named Jim Kalak, that's with me in All About God. And that's what we've been working on for the last three years is thinking through this large problem. So we've thought about what happens when the DNS servers no longer work. In other words, you, you can't just type in a like allaboutgod.com and end up on our site. What happens there? What happens when hosting becomes illegal? And, and you can't get, you know, uh, one host or whoever else people uses out there. You can't get that because your contract's illegal. What do you do when you don't have money to fund it? Can you fund seven years in advance and add money each year that automatically pays for whatever infrastructure you put in place? So is there some type of, of grant or something like that or some kind of financial? We've found a lot of good um Bitcoin-like applications that allow just for that. One of them is on BlockServe, uh, or excuse me, uh, BlockStack uh, that specifically does that and allows people to take party uh, in something and get rewarded based on their work. I can't remember the name of the app or I would share it, but um, there's a lot of good things like that. and We think God is putting together these pieces that obviously, like you started out in the beginning, can be used for evil. The technology is really neutral at, at, at this level. But we can turn it and use it for good, especially if we think about it critically and really pray about it and say, God, show me everything. And as he shows us that one step of what's next, we take that step and then, you know, the next step is revealed, the next step is revealed. And we really believe that at the end of the day, it might be little nano satellites. It might be a connection that are just via this kind of like a listener type of, of uh, hardware that you were talking about. Um we, we were we weren't thinking about that necessarily because that was the first I'd heard about that was on your extended report. So you guys out there, if you're hey. not if you're not doing the Patreon thing with these guys, <laughs> you're missing it. You're I missing can't it.
0: believe we broke a story to Greg Outlaw, the the, the <laughs> godfather of SEO. Man, hey, you,
2: block, you break stories to me all the time. You guys are great. Come on.
0: <laughs> hey, we must be on to something, guns.
2: Yeah, yeah you know good. you know what you're doing. That's for sure. You're you're a very important part of the body and at least really important to our outreach because we think about the things that uh, that you're reporting on. We do we really do and you pray about them. So, we really think that that whatever that looks like, in other words, what I'm saying basically is we have no idea how to get from where we are now to there. We don't know. Well, we didn't know that either when we started All About God in 2002. So what I do know, God is faithful. And if you obey, He will give you more to do. That's as simple as as, as it comes to me. You got to trust and obey. It's that old song, you know, trust and obey. It's simple as that. And so that's what we're doing.
1: Amen. Yeah, you know, uh, the prophetic implications of where some of this stuff is going to me is so fascinating because, you know, again, to, to really, you know, the, the prophetic passages, they say that the antichrist and the beast system, they're going to be given power. And there's a certain amount of time where they're allowed to really go after the saints. And, you know, if we are talking about a digital infrastructure that permanently more or less through independent, uh, storage of their own information, you know, contain the Bible or hold the Bible, in that sort of data set to eliminate that, to eliminate all the people. I mean, that's a pretty extensive, uh, slaughtering campaign, you know, to really get rid of it. Um, you know, people, people say you can EMP everything. Uh, I guess that's, I always hear that. What are your thoughts on that? Cause I always hear people say, well, you know, couldn't, couldn't they just EMP the whole thing to, to shreds and, and there you go, we're done.
2: This, they certainly could. And, and you read the book of revelation and, and I don't like to try to put some kind of, you know, 21st century spin on it or 22nd century, whenever it's gonna happen. Although I think I'll be amazed if it, you know, if the singularity is not the the, the end, end end capped. In other words, it's not going to go any further than 2045 because there's not going to be any what anyone left to save. I really <laughs> believe that. So I think there's a cap on how long it can go. And I'm not I'm not predicting anything, man. I'm just saying what my thought process is. It's pure speculation on my part. But at the same time, as as all of this takes place and the beast rises, um, which, you know, simple to me. It looks like Google and Facebook and all these things. That certainly looks like, if not, it's not the infrastructure for the beast, part of the beast itself, certainly part of the world system. And everybody jumping on with Bitcoin. You got your phoenix coming up, according to The Economist, right? 2018, that's the year. So all these things start to happen. I think we have to. You know, be very diligent and very focused. And you know, I'm sitting here rambling on, and I forgot what your question was, Gons. What was your question?
1: Uh, basically, what? How are we, you know, going to protect ourselves? Or I mean, I had a couple different questions. First of, first off, what the internet was going to look like um, in the end times for Christians, and we sort of touched on that. Um, but then the EMP question.
2: Oh, um, uh, the EMP, just EMP Everything, yeah. yeah. So. I don't know this for a fact. In other words, I haven't found any documentation. I haven't bothered looking. But EMP is a big problem. And, and I see it as I really believe they've already figured out how to handle that through some type of Faraday cage, Faraday enclosure, wireless Faraday infrastructure that, that protects a cell a cell phone or some other device, some other electronic device. And I'm sure the military has all of that, what they call hardened technology on that. Um, and so I really think that whoever developed those things, those things will come out in the marketplace, especially as we as we head toward the end. I'm going to trust God that somehow those are going to come out, and that's going to deal with the EMP. At the same time, I can read the book of Revelation just like you guys can, and and while, while obviously John is thinking about something that he's seeing, the vision he's seeing, he's trying to put it into words he understands, so he might be looking at at tanks when he's talking about horses. It could be he's just looking at horses, and there has been a massive worldwide global EMP, and that's gone. I, I really don't know. But but I don't have to know. All I have to do is obey whatever I feel like the Lord is telling me, and he's told me to actually – we actually took a trip to Petra. So mm-hmm. we, we got a student, uh, a student that was in a university – Christian young man that we kn- known for, I don't know, 10, 10 or 15 years. We funded half of his trip to go on an archaeological dig. And as part of that, at the end of that dig, he went to Petra to a mountain called Um El Biara, which is right above the treasury. He found the cisterns that, um, that we found. We found them online, cisterns. And we really think what it talks about in Daniel 11, I think it was 41 or 43, I can't remember, Something about these three nations would be protected, Edom, Moab, and the the people of uh, Ammon would be right. protected from the Antichrist at the end. Yeah. And when I, I did a search, and so this is just weird, okay, so I'm in my quiet time, and I'm, I'm spending, I'm saying, Lord, I don't understand what to do with all this and what I'm supposed to do, but I'll do whatever you want, no matter how ridiculous it sounds to me, I'll do it. And he, he uh, prompts me to do a search, and I do a search, and this is like, gosh, I don't know, 10 years ago? I do a search for Edom and um, what was the other part of it? It was uh, Edom. Oh gosh, I can't remember. Whatever Edom. it was. Yeah, no, but it was just Edom, and it was something to do with some level of um, of of uh, technology in end times. And basically, what came up was this dig on the top of Biara in these cisterns, and I felt like the Lord told me. You need to place some technology in that cistern, something that works there. Whether or not the, the Jews come there or not, you know, honestly, I don't know. That's the way I read it, but I'm not an expert in eschatology. Uh, I don't think there are any experts in eschatology except for the Father. That's where I am with that. Amen. But, <laughs> but, uh, but we felt like we were supposed to send someone there, go up, hike up to Amalbiar at the top of it, pray in front of that cistern and pray exactly what the Lord wants there, that he would have power over that place and that anything that that he led us or anyone else to place there, like technology wise, uh, Bibles. So we found we found that people had actually, in the, in the early 1900s, sent crates of Bibles there, and they're they're hidden, or at least they were hidden in some of the caves around Petra and all of this other stuff, waiting for these Jews to come in. Some of this occurred before the Jews even actually reentered the land of Israel, and some of it's happened after that. And so we felt like, well, what's our part to play in that, Lord? So we thought, started thinking about it, and we were gonna, you know, hike up there with a bunch of equipment after this prayer, and you know, start building servers, put out windmills on top of certain little mountains, solar panels, and everything else, some way to power it independently off the grid, and at the same time have a hookup into a satellite dish. It, to start, we were gonna start with a just a local. There was a lot of Hughes, like Hughes.net or something like that around the, the Jordan area and, uh, and actually hook that up. Now, as, as things have progressed, we really think that smartphones have gotten to a place that you could actually eventually, let's say it's seven years from now, put a smartphone in there that does all of that all by itself. In other words, it's a web server It's already got the content on it. It can be just a seeding, a place to seed content into kind of like a BitTorrent to seed them into these other little devices, cell phones and smartphones and wearables, whatever comes in the future, that all of that could actually be used and um, and could be powered for literally seven years. If it's a seven-year tribulation, some people say it's a three and a half. It's the great tribulation that we have to be concerned about. I don't know. I'm just going to pick the longest one and go for that. So we were trying to create basically a non-managed solution that would allow our content and everyone's content that joined um, this network to be able to be served throughout the tribulation without hindrance. So I don't know if that's possible. I don't know exactly how to do it. But what I did do, what we did do is we invested the money and the time and effort and a person went there to pray like in a prophetic act over that place like God had already done it that's what we've done
0: wow amen that is that is one of the coolest things i've ever heard
2: <laughs> you can actually see the video on uh, on our on our youtube channel i'll i'll send you a link you could put it in the show notes if people want to hear the prayer and it's it's cool because this guy's up there praying, and then all of a sudden, the wind starts blowing like crazy. It just I got the chills. It's like the Holy Spirit is just blowing over Petra.
0: <laughs> really cool. I love that. I love the idea of the Holy Spirit getting involved in, in the tech world and uh, guiding that to where uh, where God wants it to be. I don't know. There's, there's something that's extra powerful to me about that.
2: Yeah, well, if he doesn't, we can't, right? He's got to be involved.
0: (laughs) There you go. And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, is this possible? Hey, brother, anything's possible.
2: With God, (laughs) amen. There you go.
0: (laughs) Well, that's awesome, man. I mean, this is truly, you know, and we talk about it a lot. It's certainly something the church uh, as a whole maybe is starting to talk about, but, um you know, the the way that Christians are, A, able to navigate uh, technology, including the internet and interconnectivity, especially as we move into a more globalized situation, one that is going to be coming under much more control uh, if the trends continue that we see happening today. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the importance of looking forward. Now, I'll say this. Not everybody is going to be looking forward, and not everybody has to be looking forward. But somebody has to be looking forward and uh, figuring this stuff out. So that's, uh, you know, I, I want to uh, a give you guys a pat on the back and thank you for following the leading of the Lord in uh, those areas because somebody's got to be doing it, man. Somebody's got to be doing it. Why not you?
2: Mm, We're all doing it. You guys are doing it too.
0: No, oh, we're doing our best but you know hey we need we need some help uh from guys like you as well. <laughs> so that's good. No, we're all, it's a team effort here on the the army of the lord everybody join on up. Um so that's that's awesome. And uh just uh, real quick, let's talk a little bit about Fringepop, we mentioned it before, Fringepop321. Now, uh, just to clarify or re-clarify for people out there, what exactly, uh, what type of resource is Fringepop321? What can people uh, go there to accomplish and uh, what are you hoping to have the end-user experience be over there at Fringepop321.com?
2: Okay, so well, and this is not a diss on anybody, but I'll just tell you upfront that when I got trapped in the rabbit hole of Fringe Pop so long, uh, or in that content for so long, I got kind of defocused off of of the gospel in the Great Commission. And, and I real really got- quick,
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, but to, to define the term that you're calling Fringe Pop, why don't you give uh, us a little definition of that?
2: Good idea. Okay, so... Fringe pop basically means um, it's it's anything that's considered to be fringe in the culture today that that is probably moving from kind of an outlier out there in the periphery to, to the center of pop culture. And so Nephilim or Nephilim would be a good one of that, obviously, because now you can't hardly go anywhere and not hear that word, especially if I listen to any of you guys' reports at the end. <laughs> Nephilim update, baby. <laughs> Got to keep up on your Nephilim news, buddy. Right. So it's anything fringe in the culture now that, or, or that will be in the future that has a chance of becoming popular in the culture that the church is, as you guys know, totally unaware of um, and needs to be addressed so that's kind of the, the vision of it but not just to leave it there that it has to be a, a coherent cogent executive summary of that so kind of short videos um, one pagers on on each specific topic that deals with something specifically that that we feel like or that Mike more than anybody because he's driving the content more than anyone. I'm just doing the keyword research to make sure that there's a market searching for it. And and then, actually, once they get there, in other words, giving them and delivering the truth, or if not the truth, how to think critically about these things, not how just to like, you know, go overboard like I did for quite a while in my thought process, at least. Um, But then, how to bring it right back down and kind of land the plane on this is about the gospel and it's about the Great Commission. The other things are great, I find them really interesting. Um, so much so that I, I do have to pray and say, Lord, please help me, you know, keep the main thing the main thing at the same time, as this explodes everywhere, more and more, we feel like more and more people are gonna jump on and get this. They're gonna get lost like like I did, or like others have done, and they're gonna kind of lose focus and lose track that, hey, we're actually here for a reason. and we're all called to do the Great Commission, however that looks whatever each of our individual callings are. We want to specifically make sure the gospels available and then they're getting connected in some way through that discipleship, that peer-to-peer app. whether it's you know in a local church, you know like a t- traditional building or just a group of people meeting in a house somewhere. Um, that's kind of the focus of what French pop is meant to be.
0: That's awesome. So it sounds, uh, I mean, I'm looking around here. It's, it's got a very easy to navigate categories on there right now. And it's got a a lot of, you know, a a lot of the pretty important categories, or at least the ones that uh, are discussed. You got 666, Mark of the Beast, Alien alien Abduction, Ancient Giant Skeletons, Anthroposophy. I don't know what that is. Sounds awesome. (laughs) Area, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Did the Israelites? Yes, yes. Did the Israelites build the pyramids? All sorts of stuff. Not Gnostic doctrine. I mean, this is like kind of the 101 type stuff that, um, you know, we really need. Uh, it's it's good to have a good 101 basic understanding of, uh, especially one that's, uh, you know, pr- pr- practical, a practical understanding, as well as uh, clear and succinct and, Although, hey, I'm a lover of rabbit holes as much as the next guy, but a lot of times it gets a little out of control. I'm, I'm clicking on the, some of the stuff you have available here. It's, uh, it gives a very good overview without, for instance, trying to go on a Wikipedia or something and getting lost in the, the dark forest of hyperlinks. Yeah.
2: So it's just a start, obviously, and everything has an asterisk there. It says it's new content basically, and pretty much everything's asterisk. So we just launched yesterday, or let's say, I, I don't know when this is airing, so May 1st. We just launched May 1st, and the YouTube channel launched, which you can get to the YouTube channel by just going to fp321.tv because we don't plan on YouTube actually you know, serving our content for too much longer.
0: So. <laughs> right now you've got some great videos featuring uh, Dr. Michael Heiser.
2: Right. And so, thankfully, Mike, like I said, he, he partners, he did a joint venture, he and his nonprofit and our nonprofit and the, the videographer, we all did a joint venture, so we're all spending our money to create this for this sole purpose to actually, you know, talk about these things that are especially, it's not necessarily everything that you guys are talking about and the French community is talking about so much, it's more the stuff of where has the culture gone from, from a popularity, so it's really focused on kind of ancient aliens you know, the yeah. History Channel, which has really become the Fantasy Channel, you know? <laughs> more, <laughs> Seriously. More than anything else. I mean, I don't know how you call it history anymore. I guess, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But um, things that have been dealt with there or anywhere else that, that are in a television show, those are the kind of topics that that naturally kind of fit and have an opportunity to bridge to the gospel.
0: And that's exactly why I'm so excited about this project and everybody listening should get so excited too. It's hype time. Go check it out. FringeBot321.com is because that's a very important place to be, standing in the gap between the super fringe and the popular culture. I mean, that's inevitably where uh, A, things are going, and B, where uh, good, educated, Uh, rational voices need to be uh, because as far as popular culture and the fringe are concerned, there's going to start being more crossover than we've ever seen before. And, um, you know, uh, having a a good, solid quality production, by the way, I got to say on your YouTube channel there, everybody should be very impressed with that. Um, You know, standing in that gap is going to be one of the most important things going into the future as, uh, like you say, these fringe pop topics are going to become more of a draw to not just Christians, you know, maybe the the regular church-going Christian who doesn't look too much into the fringe or isn't taught too much about the fringe, but also those from popular culture, perhaps secular culture, who are searching out these sort of fringe topics and uh, are being bridged over to the uh, the biblical worldview. So, I mean, this is really an amazing mission that you guys are on, and I recommend nay, urge all the listeners to go check out Fringepop321.com and uh, share it around. It's a great resource to uh, educate, edify yourself, and also to send people to uh, some content that's very well thought out, very well produced, and uh, maybe, like I said, a great uh, resource between the fringe and the popular culture. So. There's there's my endorsement. Well stated. Thank you very wow. much. I'm, I'm trying to impress Greg so he can put me <laughs> on his uh So
2: so now you're my spokesperson too for French pop. <laughs> I did it. I'm going to have Coffee to up, kicked up, in. Yeah, I'm going to up my Patreon <laughs> dollars, man. I'm up it.
0: <laughs> there we go yeah see okay all right i see how this works well this is fantastic we're, we're about an hour and a half in gons uh do, do you have a place you want to bring this if not greg i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it to you again
1: um not really i mean i think we covered most of the the things we wanted to cover i mean we can get into particular topics but greg do you have any uh specific topics that you're really passionate about right now
2: um, well, I'm really big time into transhumanism, posthumanism, technological singularity, because I'm a tech head. So I love that stuff. I love the stuff that you always talk about, Guns and that you talk about, Basil. So I'm very much into that. That will be a part of this eventually. Carl um, Teichrib will probably be writing some of that content, um, Ooh, but we're awesome. looking for others. So we're, we're actually looking for authors. So it's not just Mike. Mike is just kind of the start there. But we're looking for some people that kind of have the same uh, feel and the same calling that they wanna they wanna focus it to get to the Great Commission again, uh, not just just talk about the fringe stuff. Although I love that part of it, um, but but actually want to do that. And so writing on topics like that, um, Carl is really big time into reenchantment and the New Age movements yeah um and so we're we're interested in talking about that. We'll be talking much more of course about aliens, UFO abduction, hybrids experimentation, preternatural phenomenon, folklore, you know, mythology, the global elite, ancient astronaut theory, satanic ritual abuse, you know, sleeper soldiers, Manchurian candidates, um, mental paranormal phenomenon like ESP or telepathy or parapsychology or out-of-body experiences, uh, physical paranormal phenomena um, like uh, instrumental transcommunication, uh, uh, automatic writing, things like that. Divinatory uh, paranormal phenomena like astrology or divination or I Ching or geomancy or necromancy, uh, tarot or sortledge, uh, numerology, dowsing, those kind of things. Conspiracy theories slash facts because I believe there's absolutely conspiracy facts. Regardless of what you know, the mainstream media believes or says or spouts uh, bizarre events. You know things like you know mass animal deaths, sinkholes, those unexplained weird sounds, all of that stuff. We hope to find people that that are qualified to write about those things, and or you know we would love to have people that actually we we bring out to Texas and film while we're not in Texas. That's where the studio is, uh, right outside of Dallas. Uh, We're in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, But those are kind of the things we want to talk about. And we are not, and Mike is not, experts in nearly anywhere close to all those things, especially not the technological level. The guy is a brilliant biblical scholar. He's brilliant with connecting with ancient aliens and UFOs and all that other stuff and and landing the plane on New Age and, and stuff like that. But the other stuff, he's just, he's not. And so we're looking for for other authors that are interested in that. So not only do we want um, to help other people that have websites that feel called to this and want to put the gospel on their page for free to do the SEO on their own domain name. In other words, it's all all coming to you. You get all of it. Um, but we're also looking for authors. So that would be really helpful. The last thing I, I'd want to plug is is uh, the YouTube channel itself, and that's fp321.com. So Pop, fp dot 321tv sorry fp321.tv and please subscribe and watch the video at least the first one and like it if you like it you know you genuinely like it and then each week every Tuesday we'll be releasing another one uh for as long and as as the Lord says keep going amen
0: That's a lot of uh, great resources. Just to repeat there, fp321.tv is the YouTube channel, fp321.com or fringepop321.com. You got to go check it out. Well, Greg Outlaw, thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. I'm very, very excited about this new project of yours. And I know that all the listeners, if they're not pumped up by now, I don't even know what they're doing here.
2: (laughs) you guys are too kind and too good and i'll just tell you right now you guys rock i love what you're doing keep doing it man keep doing it
0: Well, there you have it, folks. Greg Outlaw. Make sure to head over to Fringepop321.com. I'm clicking around there now. There's a a lot of good stuff and a lot of stuff that actually I need to educate myself on.
1: Yeah, that's right. You you didn't know anything about the uh, Bosnian pyramids.
0: I really uh, don't know much about the Bosnian pyramids. Uh, Dinosaurs in ancient Egypt. Helicopters in ancient Egypt. I knew about that. The Majestic Document, Do Akimbaro you know that?
1: Figurines,
0: Ankerwatt right.
1: Stegosaurus. Uh, there's, there's a lot here.
0: And if you're looking for some classics, The Lost City of Atlantis, and who, UFOs who and the, Christian Art. Who are the Anunnaki? All sorts of good stuff. Nice. FringePop321.com. Go there now and uh, make sure you got some time on your hands because there's all sorts of stuff there for you. <laughs> And if you haven't yet done so, go to patreon.com slash canarycryradio. Again, we are going for that 100 supporters mark. When we hit 100, even if it's for $1 a piece, we are going to uh, post our awesome, very exciting uh, duo special episode that I cannot believe we have not done an episode on this yet. Um, But we are going to do it. And one of the letters is a ooh. ooh what could it be could it be the word don't don't <laughs> okay. even don't uh, even we'll give uh, more hints as more patrons sign up but You can also get all sorts of fun stuff over there. We've got uh, merch, we've got stickers and journals and zip drives and um, all sorts of fun stuff. We've also got the Discord channel, which is uh, starting to fill up. we got a bunch of canarians starting to filter into the Discord channel, having conversations there, and uh, one great thing is the Discord channel, when we get our act together and start uh, doing live episodes in one way or another, the Discord channel will be where to access those live episodes live. So if you want to be one of the first people to get in on the live episodes, go to patreon.com slash radio as well as... Uh, we have bonus episodes coming out called the Canary Cry Conversations. So if you want more information, more Canary Cry, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash canarycryconversations. Thank you to everybody who is leaving uh f- iTunes ratings and reviews. If you have not yet done so, head over to whatever podcast catcher uh, you are using and leave a rating and review. That's a star rating, one to five stars, and a review telling us why you gave those stars. It's very helpful, and we can kind of jujitsu those iTunes robots into telling more people about Canary Cry Radio, which is very important.
1: Yeah, we, uh, well... It looks like we had a recent five star and a review uh, on iTunes. So thank you, Twitch Tech. Twitch Tech, I love this podcast.
0: Do you think he works at Twitch? Do you think he could? I mean, we've been talking about doing a Twitch channel where I play video games and you just sit there and (laughs) and expose it for the Illuminati influence. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I still think that would be a good idea if we could get some time on our hands. But
1: we, Yeah, time is really the the essence here, or the issue, I that's suppose.
0: Ex- that's exactly right. Okay, well, I think that's about Is there anything else to announce, guns
1: I think that is it, other than uh, other people being mad about us not talking about certain things.
0: Yeah, other than that. Well... If you haven't done so yet, head over to uh, canarycrynewstalk.com or subscribe to Canary Cry News Talk in your podcast app. I believe we're on Spotify too, which is a pretty good thing, I think. Um, And uh, if you still want more... Face Like the Sun YouTube channel is still popping off. Head over there. Lots of good information. Gons is releasing. And the Joyspiracy theory is coming out with new episodes now. So check that out if all this fringy, scary stuff is getting you down.
1: <laughs> yep. There you go. Oh, by the way, uh, never mind. That's way too out there. Okay, we'll, we'll, um, we'll leave it for the Canary Cry conversations. So anybody that wants to become a patron and support us there, uh, I'll spew my my little issue there.
0: Yeah, Gon's has got a lot of a lot of pent up frustration that he's going to <laughs> uh, talk about on Canary Cry conversations. So if you want to hear what Gon's has got going on. Make sure to check out patreon.com slash canarycryradio. Okay, I think that's about it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next week. But until then, think outside the cage. It's going to be biblical. Waiting on you. I'm good.
2: Okay, hey, Greg, you good? Well, I could use a little, you know, baby blood. That would be helpful. <laughs> I'm
0: good The best (laughs) part of waking up
2: (laughs) Is baby blood in your cup
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh Don't give them any more ideas Yeah